thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your life. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Wonder Women are amazing for tuning into another Wellness Women episode. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And this week we are talking winter blues, or actually more importantly, how to pull yourself out of the winter blues. Uh, of course, our summer hemispheres, northern hemispheres, summer lovers right now are probably going to be smiling thinking, ah, that doesn't apply to me because here I am, I'm uh, basking in the sunshine down on the Spanish coastline. But uh, for any of us living in the southern hemisphere, such as Australia, southern uh, America and, and the like, we're, well, we're starting to struggle into the depth of winter. We have crossed the threshold of the 21st of June, the winter solstice, so we're starting to see more daylight. But there's still a couple of months left before we can pull ourselves out of those winter blues. So today we're going getting excited about talking about how to boost your immunity, some things you can be doing to stay well, stay clear of the colds and flus that are probably spreading around you if you haven't already received the uh, experience of enjoying a cold this season. I hope you don't, but we're going to hopefully help you avoid that. And uh, Andrew's going to, yeah, Andrew, tell us more. What are we going to do today? Uh, well, I think that's a really good topic. Um, and let's just say that our winter really isn't that bad. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm looking out the window and it's still beautifully sunny out there. It's probably in the high teens, maybe even early 20s degrees Celsius, of course, that is. Um, over here in Perth and WA, we definitely don't get snow or sleet or anything close to that. Uh, so we are pretty lucky. But in saying that, I've got my Ugg boots on right now um, and my heater on in my in my house because we still feel the change. Um, and so for all of those of you in the Northern Hemisphere who is going to, yeah, will be feeling so lucky that you're not experiencing winter right now. Some of the places that you're listening in from might actually be colder in your summer than what it is in our winter here. Um, and I know that my sister who used to live in Canada certainly was experiencing that. So uh, this is certainly relevant for everybody. It's funny that uh, we tend to associate winter with more sickness, um, especially with colds and flus, and we call winter the flu season as well. Um, and there's so much advertisement that goes on about, um, you know, immune protecting benefits of all sorts of different things. But then there's also so much advertising around the cold and flu tablets as well and the other paraphernalia that goes with that, which we will certainly give you a word of caution towards a bit later. Um, but one thing that we find, uh, especially in practice, I see so many patients coming in um, who just seem to be getting sicker and sicker and doesn't matter what they seem to be doing at the moment there's some pretty potent bugs going around ash have you experienced that as well uh, in your practice you've, you've been seeing some things that um, people seem to be not going down for just a couple of days but for weeks at a time um, and i think there's some good reasons for that Unfortunately, yes, I've, I've been the recipient of a, a sort of three, four day cold, but I certainly know why I got that. And I think a lot of people who get a cold, uh, often if you really looked behind the scenes and you thought about what you were doing leading up to the point which you fell sick, um, which I like to call a health expression actually, because really it's just your intelligent body doing exactly what it needs to do to, to fight off and to deal with the bacteria or virus you've come in contact with. So it's actually a health expression. We should stop calling it sickness because actually it's the, uh, it's the incredible body doing what it's meant to do. 
But I do know that my immune system was definitely compromised and it really didn't surprise me much when I did get a head cold because I'd really been burning the candle at both ends, dealing with our full renovation in our house, uh, lots of stuff going on with the practice, lots of stuff going on with you, Andrea, doing our wellness women things. And yeah, it was almost like uh, <laughs> if I didn't get sick, I was going to be surprised and happy about that. And when I did, I smiled and thought, well, there you go. So this is really why we're talking about this episode because uh, for a lot of people, if you really, really carefully think about some of the lifestyle factors involved, it's not that surprising when you do get sick. And there's certainly some great ways you can either reduce the severity and duration of the being unwell and prevent it. Uh, and also prevent recurrence because that's another thing I'm seeing a lot of is people getting unwell, having three, four days out and then being good for a couple of weeks and then getting hit again. And I'm like, wow, that's an interesting, uh, I guess, recurrence that I probably haven't noticed as much before this season, which is probably why we're talking about this topic today. Yeah, absolutely. And Ash, I was in the exact same boat as you um, a few weeks ago as well. And I'm not sure if anyone noticed on the podcast, I probably sound a little bit more nasal than what I do normally. Um, and that hit me after we actually went away um, with, a, we had a mastermind retreat uh, about a month ago now. And this is where some, you know, amazing people get together and we are all like-minded and we do some personal development and a whole bunch of other things. And Ash, you were there as well. And the one night that we were away down South, which was much colder I did not sleep much at all that night um it was kind of like being on school camp in, in bunk beds and, and things like that and that was for me the straw that broke the camel's back not to mention that. hitting your head in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah, exactly. in the bunk bed I heard that I heard that <laughs> um, and then I probably woke everyone up because I started giggling because I actually did that um but you know that with stress and and everything else that goes with it is we're not immune to some of the other things that happen um, around us. But it also, I didn't catch that from anybody. You know, I my cold that I had didn't come from one of my patients. It didn't come from you know Dean or, or anybody else. Um, and I want to debunk that myth first of all that we always talk about. Oh, my sister gave me this cold, or I got it from the guy at work. And if we were to actually buy into that, we would be certainly buying into the germ theory of why we're getting sick. Uh, and let me get to that in a second. But just to recap on this, you cannot catch a cold or a flu from anybody else. There's certainly transmittable conditions or diseases, but when it comes to you know, these sort of uh, things that plague our immune system, you can't just catch them. It doesn't work that way. If that was the case, then everybody would be sick at the same time with the exact same things that have the same symptoms um, and it would run, you know, the same course as well. So if you're on a plane with someone and one person is sick, then a few people there might also get what they had. But if you could simply catch a cold from somebody else, the whole entire plane would be sick. It would be this epidemic that, that comes on. Now, that's um, interesting, Andy, because I think you're challenging probably a few of our listeners now who's saying, hang on, <laughs> what's she talking about? Of course you catch a cold for someone else. <laughs> uh, explain that further because it's a really intriguing direction you're taking now. Well, it would buy into the fact that, okay, so let's talk about the germ theory. And this essentially states that whatever you know germs or bugs are in our environment if they infect our body then we will become susceptible to that um but there's kind of some gaps or some holes in the germ theory because it sort of alludes to the fact that 
If that was the case, our body would be sterile. And we certainly know that is not the case um, because we're, certain, we're actually more microorganisms than what we are anything else. Um, so that we know that we do have a symbiotic relationship with all of the bacteria in our gut and, and other places of our body as well. Um, so if the germ theory was, you know, to be true, then as soon as we had some sort of pathogen that would come into our environment, we would be susceptible to that. So why is it that, you know, one person will have the flu, but you won't get it that time, but then maybe other times you will. Um, and then why is it that you're mounting an immune response to certain things, but not to others? So, if we do get sick when, say, somebody else is, is carrying some sort of bug, now remember those bugs are probably in the environment all the time. You know, they're tra being transmitted from person to person, from surfaces, from all sorts of different things all of the time. But it's only at certain times that you're actually susceptible to that. And that's when our immune system is compromised. So that's when our internal environment isn't as good at fighting the infections or, or naturally protecting us from those things as what it would normally. And that can be from, say, different exposures. So there might be a new bug that our body hasn't been exposed to before um, and it needs to build up that immunity. So it needs to figure out what it is and develop a specific army that can kill that specific bug. Or, um, or the body's really incredible at um, reducing replication, isn't it? If yeah. you can't kill it, it's going to stop it from multiplying. And then, of course, it's a self-limiting cycle, which is why certain things take certain times, you know, as a predictable time frame of uh, getting well again. Exactly. So... There we go. You cannot catch a cold and flu from somebody else. You can't blame anybody else for your illness. Oh, <laughs> in, in the most I'm sure part. every parent's staying there going, I've got three kids. One brought one home. All my <laughs> kids got sick and now I've got it. Then my, my husband's got it. And now we're back to the first child and they've got sick again. Uh, so let's explain. It's a really hard environment, especially when you've got a little pressure cooker environment where you might have some kids at school or at daycare. Um, you know, those kids are putting things in their mouths all the time. They're sharing everything. They're all at each other's heights and they're getting in each other's faces that is the perfect breeding ground for all of those sorts of bugs and yes and I might be asking you to look at this a little bit differently yes you know they might go through a season of of getting quite a few different things and being pretty run down but think how amazing their immune system is going to be once it's exposed to those things it develops immunity to every single different thing that it's just been exposed to and then you know it's going to have this amazing protective mechanism and that's part of the reason why kids actually pick things up and put them in their mouth it's part of their body's innate intelligence to tell them to you know we need to taste our environment we need to figure out what's going on here that we can build an immune system to uh, how that's a pretty incredible system that our body does we're always amazed by it. Well, I think we should talk a little bit more about something because when I lived over in Europe, there was certainly something they called SAD. In winter, you got SAD and that was seasonal affective disorder. And that was a condition to try and uh, classify why people felt moodier or down or sort of seasonal depression, uh, reduced immunity. It was all uh, classed into this, this SAD syndrome. And I thought that was really interesting because having come from Australia to move to Europe to live there, 
I actually had never heard of it. And in Sydney, it's not something I'd ever heard of um, until I lived in Europe. And everyone were like, what? You're not taking a holiday in winter? No, you've got to go somewhere sunny. Lucky you, you won't be able to survive here if you don't take a, take a winter holiday to somewhere sunny. So they all head to the coastlines in somewhere in the Mediterranean or somewhere else sunny. Um, and that was fascinating because obviously that's their way of coping with the long, dark, gloomy, grey days and nights. Uh, but of course, here, in the southern hemisphere well particularly at the level of perth we don't quite have those extreme day night differences so i'm wondering whether we just get out of it a little bit lighter because we have a little bit more light during the day uh i i certainly think so and i think we also don't have the same as extreme temperatures as what they do over oh, there no, we've never had snow which <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're so so lucky um you know it's a bit of a novelty to have those temperatures though um and i'm wondering if it is also to do with you know the, the changes in vitamin d so even though we still get plenty of sun over here in perth the spectrum of the light that we're getting in winter is not actually enough for us to be able to produce our own vitamin d throughout those winter months because we're you know a certain um you know spectrum or a certain radius away from the sun's rays yeah we need Um, more uvb light and that's where we have those issues in winter because of the change of the angle of the sun as the earth rotates and we know that vitamin d is really potent part of the immune system and it certainly helps other uh, it's being correlated with things like depression anxiety um so it's interesting that there's that feedback loop that our immune system gets challenged. We feel sad. We, you know, there's the higher rates of depression and things like that that occur through the winter months. Um, but it's also a time, I think, to slow down. Uh, and it's a time to, you know, we have those, the seasons and we're so good at just running on, you know, essentially adrenaline, as people would say, throughout every single month of the year without really being in the flow of the changes of the season. So it's that yin yang, that you know, summer, winter, dark light. In summer, we're so much more energetic. We're wanting to be much more sociable. We're outdoors a lot more. We're certainly getting a lot more sun. And in winter, the opposite could be true. Uh, We tend to change our diet a little bit because we want more robust, um, almost nourishing foods. Uh, Sometimes salads and fruits won't do it as much for us as what it will in winter. Um, And I'm wondering if we play into that a little bit more, if we can honor some of those changes that our health benefits uh, will, will be there as well. Well, I certainly think you can think yourself well and think yourself sick. And uh, it's certainly proven through many studies that that's actually the case, that our our way of thinking can certainly determine our health expression. Um, I mean, beyond the D factor, sunlight also increases levels of serotonin, which is your happy Mm -hmm. hormone and happy drugs. Um, And of course, you know, production of melatonin, the chemical that makes you feel sleepy or gets those sleep patterns in routine as well. So it's, it's tricky because if you go to work in the morning and it's quite low light and you know, it's, it's dark. Um, unless you get out at lunchtime, you certainly won't be getting adequate levels of light that stimulate the uh, photon receptors in the eyes. So I'm curious to see if we could all just force ourselves to get out at lunchtime and make sure we got some sunlight without our sunglasses on and whether that would also just already make us feel happier, make us feel brighter and uh, certainly lighten our mood, which in turn makes us make better choices I think you know when you feel sad and down and unhappy what sort of foods do you tend to go towards ladies it's nearly always foods that are fatty sweet um, things that are what we traditionally call comfort foods and unfortunately that then 
well, facilitates that spiral of comfort food, feeling sad. Oh, it gives me a temporary lift. But then, of course, we go through that same spiral again and again. Yeah, yeah, that that short-term dopamine payoff, but that's what creates that addictive pathway within the brain and certainly the sugar is um, so much part of that. Um, So, Ash, let's talk about the things that we do, um, especially during winter, to make sure that our immune system stay really nice and strong. Um, We see, you know, patients all day long. Some of them are on all sorts of different spectrums of different illnesses. So we have, um, you know, such an imperative to stay really healthy to make sure our immune system is as strong as possible. Uh, so what what's your routine? What would be your daily routine that would make sure that um, you're looking after your immune system? Well, I certainly know that sleep is the number one factor involved in all that. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. So if we're not getting adequate amounts of sleep, then our healing repair, our immune system, everything is gauged on whether or not we're getting good quality sleep. So sometimes it's not just about getting enough sleep. It's also about getting a quality amount of sleep. And that's the big challenge. And I, I quite often laugh at uh, people walking around with their Fitbits on and their their little uh, devices on their wrists that measure and gauge how much sleep they're getting because I've had conversations with clients where they've said, oh, I only got three hours sleep last night, even though they've been in bed for eight to 10 hours. And then they're starting to stress about not getting enough sleep. And uh, it's a quirky situation when you try to say it's okay uh that certainly can tell you a bit about quality but we don't want to then get stressed over this idea we're not getting enough because then that actually stops us sleeping better again uh so i would suggest to people to get quality sleep go back to our sleep episode uh, which was early on and just have a listen to some of the great tips we give about how to set the scene to get ready for bed so that you bring that to brain center quiet and everything down quieten the voice in the head uh get your eyes adjusted to low lighting with lamps good quality night's sleep and then when you get up in the morning uh certainly the ritual of drinking water for me all year round because it's so tempting in winter not to drink as much water because we don't seem to feel as thirsty but if I can gauge the dehydration by the amount of people I see walking around in winter with dry skin flaky skin um, it still tells me that a lot of people are forgetting winter is so important as well to be drinking enough water so I still keep that ritual of drinking two glasses of water um, upon rising Oh, I love it. Um, Ash, I like what you said about the sleep and I absolutely wholeheartedly agree. If there's nothing else that you can do in your lifestyle to boost your immune system, then rest is the biggest one. And it's interesting with the melatonin as well. So we know that melatonin and cortisol, one of your stress hormones, will inhibit each other. So if you're in a really stressful environment, you need to be able to switch that off for your enough melatonin production to be actually able to get that good night's sleep. Um, So they work in opposition, uh, which is why, again, the sunlight is so, so important. Um, Couldn't agree with more. And unfortunately, though, for those people who are seeing, they go, yeah, great. Thanks very much. Good advice. Let's get some sunlight. And they're looking out their window. It's grey skies and cloudy. (laughs) Um, This is where, unfortunately, desupplementation is a really useful tool. And I certainly do have desupplements in my cupboard specifically for the wintertime because we know how important D3 is to good, strong, healthy immune system. Yep, I agree. Um, Vitamin D and vitamin A are both really important. And just remember that they're fat-soluble vitamins, so we need to make sure that we've got really good quality, good fats in our diet as well. Um, Ash, I love what you said about the water. Um, I like to start my day with um, lemon juice in warm water. 
so not boiling, just warm. And there's so much great vitamin C in that as well. Um, and we know that vitamin C is a potent um, supporter of the immune system. And this is not to say you rush out there and start buying vitamin C tablets off the shelves of these supermarkets and pharmacies and that. There is so much rubbish vitamin C out there. Oh my goodness, it drives me crazy. Oh, I know all the chewable ones for the kids or the, oh. little, the little jelly lollies for vitamin C. Um, mm. The actual absorption and um, bioavailability of vitamin C is quite specific. So it needs to be bound to a couple of things for your body to be able to actually utilize it. That's why it's really important to have practitioner prescription grade vitamin C. Um, and look, we'll put some links online for some things for you to look at. So, you know, go into your pantry, pull out the vitamin C that you've bought from, you know, the, the pharmacy and see if it does have some of these things. So a lot of the time it needs things like hesperidone or some bioflavonoids to help with the absorption or the utilization of that. Um, and I would recommend taking about a thousand milligrams a day, um, you know, just as a, a normal sort of maintenance dose. Um, it's also very helpful for your progesterone production as well, vitamin C. Um, and if you do get a little bit unwell, you can increase that dose as much as you need to until you get to bowel tolerance. And that pretty much just means until you start to get loose bowels or diarrhea, you know you're at tolerance and then you just dial back a little bit from there. And I've There's, certainly been around naturopathic doctors who've prescribed up to 10,000 milligrams a day. Yeah, 10 or 12,000 milligrams. And they yeah. do, um, you know, IV um, doses or courses of vitamin C for all sorts of different um, disease conditions. Um, so until you get to bowel tolerance, it's very, very safe to take in high doses. And while we're talking supplements, what are some of the other things, Andrea, that you would take if you had a supplement? Let's just say now we feel as though we're getting a cold or we're in those early stages of uh, feeling like, oh, something's coming. Coming, maybe heady, maybe starting to feel something on the chest. What supplements would you take if you felt as though something was coming on? Oh, that's a great question. I am a huge fan of her liquid herbs. Um, I find that they are absorbed much better into the system um, and they work a lot quicker as well. Um, I've got a bit of a, a combo that I use. Um, so things like elderberry um, and elderberry you can get in, in liquid herbal form. Um, there was some research done from the Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine that found it to be really, really safe for viral treatment, especially for like influenza A and B. Um, um, you can pair that with some echinacea, some calendula, um, some astrographus root, things like that. Uh, if you do have autoimmune conditions, so there, you do need to be careful with some of these. So certainly talk to your health practitioner. Um, and uh, there's there's one um, called Five Mushroom Complex, and it's by Metagenics that I love. Um, and if I'm ever feeling a little bit under the weather. I'll have a couple of doses of that. It's got some Chinese herbs. It's um, It's got cordyceps, which is, um, you know, a, a strain of mushroom. Um, and it's potent and it tastes foul, but most of them do, especially, you know, your liquid herbs. It's Why disgusting. is that? That often good things, disgusting. Are, yeah, good things don't often taste the best. It's so unfair. Um, <laughs> apart from that, making sure that I'm always taking some really good quality probiotics because we know that about 75% of our immune system is actually in our gut or it's part of that enteric immunity. Uh, so we need to make sure that we've got good quality microbes in there. Um, so I'm always taking, especially through winter, uh, an immune strain of probiotics um, and then I'll pair that with some uh, fermented foods so things like kombucha kimchi sauerkraut um, you know my um, just just things like that so that I know that I'm producing some really good quality um, bugs in my gut 
That's brilliant. And there's so much research coming out and uh, certainly you'll see lots of access to information on microbiome and gut healing. And we love that. And I can't wait in a couple of weeks. We're doing some great interviews with people who know a lot more about those things. So excited uh, to bring those guys on board. Um, I think it's so interesting because hypocrisy is uh, so many years ago. <laughs> so many years ago. Let's try it a few thousand years ago. Um, <laughs> oh, hypocrisy. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. He famously said that all illness begins in the gut. And uh, I think that's fascinating because because here we are talking all these years later about how to get our health and immune system strong. And we're talking gut health as well. And another famous quote from him is that if you want to seek health, look first to the spine, which is sort of where chiropractic comes in, which I think is absolutely amazing. Um, I know that if I am getting run down, the absolute first thing I'm going to do is have an adjustment. Um, The people that I see have got some really great immune boosting reflexes that they use, which is certainly what I use on any of my patients when they're run down as well. Um, And for me, I find that it, uh, if we do it correctly, it will actually stimulate an immune response um, and often they'll get a fever from it as well. Um, now that might have sort of put up some red flag alarms there. A fever that sounds like a bad thing, right? Um, I think people have almost come to the conclusion that fever, that a fever, is almost like a disease state, but it's not. It's a symptom, and what I would uh, sort of get ask you to get your head around is that if there is some pathogens within the environment or if your body's exposed to some bugs and it amounts an immune response and one of those is raising the body temperature and it does that because there's certain temperatures or certain environments that the um, bacteria or the viruses thrive in and there's some that they don't and when your body temperature increases it actually immobilizes those bacteria and allows your own system to go and, and, you know, kill those and and cluster them and get rid of them properly. Um, So the fever itself is part of our own innate inborn immune mechanisms that helps to, you know, really kickstart our body's own defenses. Um, And yet so many people when they're sick, try and bring that fever down through taking things like Panadol and Panadine. And that's a big challenge, isn't it? Because we understand in, I guess, illness such as a flu or symptoms that come from that, there's often fever involved. Uh, So would you suggest that might be a better thing for us to let that fever run its course? As far as I'm concerned, absolutely. We know that a fever within a safe range is absolutely safe. Um, depending on your sources, uh, some will say to 40 degrees or 104 Fahrenheit. Um, it's definitely different with babies and kids. So speak to your health practitioners about that. Um, you know, that's my little disclaimer there. Uh, but, you know, for eons and throughout all of the generations, um, people would understand the ebbs and flows that would go with a fever that would understand that um, traditionally a fever would break and that you would recover very very quickly yeah um, i recall grandparents um, being told that uh, if they were feeling unwell they'd go into bed throw two or three dunas on top and sweat it out exactly uh, My because mom they has, felt um, as though they got better faster and didn't go through instead of you know a full week of flu they'd burn out in three days and be up and, and back to work and working outside and doing all the things they had to do Exactly. So certainly use caution, use common sense. Um, But if you do have a fever, are you sick or are you well? 
I would certainly argue that that is, uh, you know, a very healthy state for your body to be in because it's doing exactly what it knows how to do. Um, you know, there's nothing that we can, um, there's no intervention that we can create there that would be as potent as the body's own immune defenses. Um, and controversially, I know that lots of people are going off and, and getting the flu vaccine at this time of year as well. Um, you know, they might have their, their annual flu shot. Um, I found that to be quite unpredictable in patients. Um, some will have the flu shot and do really well. Some will have it and they won't. Um, and they'll get quite sick and they'll get quite sick for a lot longer than they would do normally. Um, and there's certainly so many different strains of flu as well. Uh, so it's interesting to see which one they're targeted at. Um, and especially in Australia, some of them, the flu vaccines themselves have actually been recalled this year because there have been some issues with them. Um, but in saying that nothing takes the place of a really strong immune system. So there's not going to be any flu shot that's ever going to be created that's ever going to be better than a strong, robust immune system. So let's talk about a couple of other strategies then to boost your immunity, to help you overcome anything that you have come up against. So if you've sort of just come off the back of a cold, how do we get your system back up online really quickly? Um, definitely for me, it's to get moving. And I know that sounds really hard because often in winter as well, we change our, our habits and our patterns. And the best thing you can do is what I call winterize your workout, make it something enjoyable, even in colder months where you can still continue to move and exercise because there are so many health benefits of exercise. And it's not just about staying fit, staying lean, staying, uh, I guess, strong. It's actually the impact it has on your immune as well. It's immune boosting to be able to be out exercising, gets blood flowing. Um, when you start sweating it helps as a detoxification effect because you're moving tox toxins via the skin through sweat so there's, there's a lot of benefits from getting active getting moving for me that's an essential as well is to exercise just a little longer so you can loosen up and uh, and to get a sweat up yeah awesome i love that um but if you're in the thick of um you know your flu well that's, in that <laughs> case lie low do exactly yeah. what you're supposed to do sleep it off uh exactly. lie low rest well and let uh, let your body do its job best without stressing or challenging it and that's also where when you are really unwell lighten your foods as well so go easy on the gut don't add in heavy foods go into soups go into liquid meals because uh, the less blood and energy being rerouted to the gut the more the immune system can do its job so for me it's definitely a recommendation if you're not feeling great even though you lose your appetite which again amazing mechanism the body has isn't it Shuts, yeah. shuts down the gut so you don't feel so hungry so your body can do with that more energy can be redirected to where it needs to go which is to fight the infection or fight the fever or fight the virus yeah, exactly. You don't want to overburden your system with lots of heavy foods. Um, definitely limiting your sugar, limiting anything processed so that your body can actually focus on healing um, whatever it needs to rather than digesting all of this heavy stuff. Um, get out there and have some fun uh, would be a good tip of mine, um, especially in winter if you find that if you're a real summer person, you love the outdoors um, and you fall into that, that sad um, sort of lifestyle, like what you were saying, Ash, then what is it that you're passionate about that you can include in the winter months as well? And I know that there's going to be hacks that you can do that doesn't involve, you know, it might not be surfing every day, or it might just be, you need a thicker wetsuit so you can actually do those things, but whatever it is that you're passionate about, make sure you're doing that every single day because we know how important that is for our state of mind, our own well-being, all of the amazing endorphin release that comes from those things as well. And it's part of our sanity too. 
Oh, for sure. I think catch up with a girlfriend, uh, do the things that you enjoy doing is is absolutely going to get you through the darker, gloomier months in a much happier way. Um, I'm going to leave you out today. I'm going to give you some of my ideas for uh, when you're unwell because I know a lot of people like myself would prefer to use natural uh, solutions, natural therapy options as opposed to medications and pharmaceuticals when there's not severe infection that the, you know is genuinely something you need to see the doctor for but for a lot of people they're jumping off to the doctor way too soon in the game and not actually letting the body do its work properly so we've just had uh, in my, our house here Peter my husband unfortunately um, came crashing down with something hit the back of his throat when you looked in there with a the light it was absolutely full-blown strep throat you know white spots swollen lymph swollen uh, tonsils which uh, I've not seen seen in him before and neither had he I don't think and so we're like right and it was really that interesting moment where you sit on the fence going oh should we be going to the doctor that looks like something antibiotics must have to be used for um, and yet we gave it a 24-hour window we said all right so let's do it this way we're going to try something different we're going to because we've neither of us had such a severe strep throat to actually need to figure out how we're going to deal with it and we decided to make up a solution that uh, had been recommended and thought Worst case scenario, give it 12, 24 hours. If it's getting worse or it's unchanging, um, the doctor's there. We can go straight there when we need to. So what we did this made up a solution and it was three cloves of garlic. It was half a teaspoon of cayenne pepper and it was enough honey, of raw natural honey, to give it enough uh I guess softness because the cayenne pepper is quite sharp as you'd imagine so is garlic and just taking a small half teaspoon every half an hour uh, throughout the day it was incredible and it, of course this is a testimonial it's anecdotal so please don't take this as uh, science literature but just be mindful that unless you try some of these things you may not realize just how well they could work so we had no expectation we, we didn't see it as a treatment so we just thought well let's just try this because we're probably going to end up the doctor anyway and within four or five hours he could swallow again and by the end of the day looked back in the throat and it had really calmed down and there was less white spots in the throat and the tonsils the swelling had gone down so there's oh that's beautiful yeah. we'll certainly uh we'll stick that little recipe up on um, social media so you can try that too if you'd like um amazing how pete's immune system again is so so clever so what had happened is the the bugs had obviously passed through the first barriers of his immune system which is the skin and the mucosal linings of the nose and the mouth and they've got to the tonsils at the back of the throat there and they've they've swollen up and they've gone okay nothing is getting past this so that is an amazing mechanism for his immune system. Someone might look down his throat and say, oh, he's absolutely got tonsillitis, which is simply just means inflammation of the tonsils. Um, and yes, you could certainly, you know, rush off to the, to the GP. You could take antibiotics for that if that is a bacterial infection. Remember, antibiotics are not effective for viruses. Um, but his immune system did exactly what it was supposed to. And if he was a more immune compromised than that, it might've, you know, progressed further into his system. He might've got a chest infection or bronchitis or, or whatever it might be, but it stopped there. You stopped it in its tracks. That's amazing. Absolutely. So I think, you know, choose some of the natural options first. I mean, there's so many great uh, homemade cough syrups you can make. There was one I've seen with um, some garlic, some elderberry, raw honey. Again, raw honey is amazing, by the way. You'll see it in a lot of natural health and healing uh, solutions and recipes, particularly when it comes down to things like seasonal colds and flus, because there's some really powerful components of raw honey that uh, helps our immune system work better. 
Awesome. All right. So let's give a bit of a recap. So as far as our natural remedies go, we'll we'll stick that um, that throat concoction up on on the social media. <laughs> uh, vitamin C, um, you can take in high doses, and we'll certainly let you know the things to look for um, on on your doses. A good, strong, uh, robust probiotic. Um, ginger is actually a really potent antiviral as well. So I'd certainly um, encourage you to have some lots and lots of fresh ginger. You can stick it in tea and or in all of your cooking. Um, your vitamin D and vitamin A's are very good for your immune system. Um, remember, it's a fat-soluble vitamin, so make sure you're having plenty of good quality fats. Um, and all sorts of different herbs as well. Um, again, we'll give you a list. Um, but other things like your olive leaf extract is fantastic as well. Um, I forgot to say that one before. Echinacea as well. Yeah, echinacea, absolutely. Um, and these things are associated with colds and flus and good strong immune systems for a reason because they absolutely work and we see that every day um, make sure you're getting plenty of rest nothing is going to take the place of a good night's sleep um, and if you do come down with something rest as much as you possibly can so in bed sleeping all day long if you need to make um, yourself live foods bone broth drink plenty of water make some uh, great full vegetable soups and there are more things you can be doing to help yourself stay strong and healthy yeah, absolutely. Um, and then just, you know, get out and have some fun once you've recovered, of course. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most important thing. And keeping bugs at bay, don't forget the really stock standard advice. Wash your hands often and well. You know, use a hand uh, cleanser to make sure that you're not transferring bugs on different surfaces because maybe you're not immune compromised, but someone else around you might be. So don't uh, help that process of transfer for those people who are potentially immune compromised. There's a lot of children, a lot of people who are uh, older, and also sometimes the stress of uh, pregnancy can create uh, immune compromise in women as well. Um, we would love to hear if you've got your own home remedies for things that you use for coughs and flus. Um, and we know that everybody's got all sorts of different things that they, they make in their own home pantry. So we'd love to hear that. So please communicate with us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash the wellness women or on Instagram underscore the wellness women. We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear your feedback about this episode as well. Have any of these tips helped you to shorten the duration of say, you know, the, the winter flu that you might've had or stopped it in its tracks as well um so ladies uh until next week make sure you're staying really well uh and resting up as well make sure your diet is rich in all of the good immune boosting things um including lots of leafy greens um and all your green smoothies and, and that sort of thing because remember a green smoothie a day keeps the doctor away and <laughs> as far please as I'm <laughs> <laughs> and i just want to leave you on this final thought because for me i really get uh i get a little bit frustrated when I see those slogans going around with a lot of different uh, health programs at the moment that they say summer bodies are made in winter and I completely disagree with this because healthy bodies are made all year round so time now make sure you're doing the things that stay healthy and not just now in winter but in summer and autumn and spring it's uh, doesn't matter what time of year all of these suggestions that we've given you are useful anytime you're feeling a little bit run down or a little bit under the weather whether it's winter summer or otherwise uh, yeah look after yourself inside out and uh, choose nature before you choose anything else and so until next week ladies be well this has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com check us out on facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash the wellness couch subscribe to each show on itunes and check us out on twitter the wellness couch streaming wellness into your lives Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.